Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yachtcast for February 13th, 2023. Featuring poet Eugenia Lee leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at our new space at 144 Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights. For more information and to sign up for the op, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Jim Stewart, Yael Weitz, Colleen Riley, Mark Weissman, Parrish Finn, Omar Aburashed, Kiara DeLalo, Jazz Sufi, Carly Ransford, Anne Herondine, Megan Quilt, Tessa Flores, Maria Rubio, Olivia Weiss, Darius Phelps, Noel Cristiano, Arthur Russell, Hunter Hodkinson, and last but not least, Jess Gagne. Alright, let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop with Mike for February 2023. Enjoy. All right, folks, we're going to get started with the open mic. I hope you enjoyed your break. I hope you enjoyed that throwback to Kanye West, if you listen to the song. <laughs> when Kanye West was still cool, getting into car accidents and rapping about it, as opposed to all the other shit he's been doing. <laughs> Recently, uh, we are on to the open mic portion of the night. Hold on, I'm going to adjust the sound because this feedback is not good. Okay, I think that should be better. Um, a couple of announcements before we begin with the open mic. If you haven't been to the Yop open mic before, there's a few ground rules. If you are reading for the open mic, you get one poem of three minutes max. Please keep to your time because it helps us get to more poets off the wait list. We try to get to at least one or two poets off the wait list every month. And if everyone keeps to their time, sometimes we get to more than that. Every month we vote for poem of the month at the Brooklyn Poets Yop and the number to vote for Poem of the Month. It's on the chalkboard in the back if you are in that back room. But if you're not in the back room, the number to vote for Poem of the Month is 718-374-1953. That is the Brooklyn Poets telephone number. I'm gonna repeat it a few times throughout the night. 718-374-1953. And here is a public service announcement about the vote. When you vote for Poem of the Month, you need to be present at the Brooklyn Poets Yop in this room <laughs> or attending it virtually. You should not be telling your friends who are not attending the Brooklyn Poets Yop to vote for you. In fact, it is pretty obvious when that happens because we suddenly get 10 text messages in the space of one minute all voting for the same person. And I've been doing this a long time. 
And it's like noticing student plagiarism. It's like fucking obvious, even though the person doing it thinks it's not obvious. To me, it's fucking obvious. So uh, when I see that, I just discount your votes <laughs> immediately. So uh, let's be fair. Let's be legitimate. If you are here, vote 718-374-1953. You can vote for yourself, absolutely. Just don't tell your friends who are not here to vote for you. Uh, every month we record the Yop Open Mic as a podcast that we call the Yopcast. Uh, we publish that a couple weeks after every Yop. You can certainly subscribe to it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, more than that, you can rate us five stars. That would be amazing. We have, I think now, I think we're still at, we have 42. Did you check recently, Arthur? <laughs> that means we have two more than last time. So I don't know who you two are, but you're my best friends. Uh, if everyone in this room rated us five stars, so many more people would find the poets on this podcast, and that's uh, the important thing. Um, and I think that is it. If you don't know what happens, if you win Poem of the Month, the 12 winners of Poem of the Month over the course of the year face off in December for Poem of the Year honors. We have a Poem of the Year contest right here, 144 Montague Street. That will be in early December. Uh, and that is all the announcements I have. Did you guys have a question or a comment? <laughs> we are going to uh, turn things over to our featured reader tonight before we get to the open mic proper. And our featured reader tonight is none other than Eugenia Lee. Give her a warm welcome. Thank you. So I'm just going to read uh, two poems from my forthcoming collection, Bianca which will uh, be here in March. And it'll be nine years between my first and second books. And so this book sort of revisits the story of um, family violence, childhood abuse, parental incarceration, but with the added perspectives of motherhood, marriage, mental illness, um, mental health help, a lot of things that I hadn't yet experienced with the first book. So I'll just read two poems for you today. Oh, and there's also a book launch for this here at Brooklyn Poets on Sunday, March 19th. And actually, Kay Iver will be one of the featured readers, along with Mahogany Brown and Patrick Rosal. So love it if you guys were here. This is the first poem in the book. What I miss most about hell is prayer. I'd pack a plastic bottle with vodka, drive to the crag of my life, the parking lot of a pancake house, and scream. I prayed like everyone I loved was on fire. The bright violet blob I called God would forgive the atrocities roared in ethanol, while I'd shake like a dog, demanding answers from the maker of figs. Why the sycamore fruit sweetens only when bruised, the way a fist will ripen a child. Um, the second poem I'll read, because Jason and I were just casually talking about miscarriages. And uh, <laughs> before my son, I, ha I miscarried um, twins, <laughs> sorry. And um, no, it was fine. It was, it was, I was happy that not have twins. Uh, <laughs> um, 
But the, the one thing that you might need to know in this poem is the phrase DNC. And so that's a procedure that's also an abortion procedure that a lot of people have for miscarriages, that a lot of um, people who are pregnant are being denied um, at the moment. And so that's, um, and, and this is one of those poems where I couldn't write it. I actually really couldn't write about the miscarriage until I was pregnant again. But this is called June 14th. My children, if I may call them that, that identical pair of beans, quick to arrive, then quick to die, quit my body a year ago today. Not quit. I opted for the DNC to say they didn't leave. I did nothing to make them leave. They were taken in my sleep. The animal I became conjured the animal I once was. Fiend and brute and wretch back to the wreck my husband had never met. And that lie, hounding since the first night, I woke howling next to him, startled, tentative. This life doesn't belong to you. I was warned about the nightmares, that in our first years of marriage, my hells would hunt me in my sleep. All my life, my mother locked our knife block beneath the kitchen sink. Did you know not all women hide their knives from their husbands? I married a man who owns a knife sharpener. He slices everything soundlessly, the way he learned in a class about knives. I chop our produce with an air of panic, like a child who found the murder weapon. My husband once leapt out of a closet in the dark to make me laugh. I wept. No one prepares you for the terrors of a good man. <laughs> My mother still calls to ask whether our doors are locked. Maybe there is no cure for this, the way the brain bends after trauma and bends the world with it. Even now, a baby cross-legged inside me, I scan the day for traces of soot sullying this honeyed life. Who was it? years ago, who told me, afraid and racked with undeserving, to find a mirror and look myself in the eyes. Thank you. Okay, wow, goddamn. March 19th. Bianca Book Lunch. Uh, what an amazing poet. I hope you all appreciate Eugenia Lee. I know some people <laughs> Some people bought her first book after that workshop. At least one staff member, to staff member told me it was like the most amazing class she's ever taken. So <laughs> we're doing something right. Um, not only is that book launch going to be amazing with Kay Iver and uh, Mahogany Brown and Patrick Rosal. I'm talking about amazing openers. Jesus Christ. Like, those are three amazing openers. But it's going to be fucking free. <laughs> so you're going to want to come out for that. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a free ticket. If you come to that event, you better buy her book. Don't be an impolite non-Korean <laughs> and not buy her book. <laughs> I've had many a book launch and invited many a people who drank my wine and ate the food I provided and did not buy the book. And that is just in-fucking-polite. Uh, especially if you're not Korean. But the Koreans did it too. <laughs> and they're all dead to me. 
I'm, I'm half joking. Okay, we're on to the open mic proper. Now everyone's going to buy your book. You're going you're to sell like a thousand books. Our first reader of the open mic lineup is Jim Stewart. Give it up for Jim. As you know, Bob, decadence is a progression to the most statistically probable outcome, but how we got here, I would not have seen that coming. What's worse, that we're all red shirts, or I'm a low-rent Mary Sue, victim of a hack author too cowardly to go to the edge. Alice told Bob, inference is the progress toward meaning through beta reduction, but how each letter devours the glyph of the one before it vomits up a string I wouldn't have been able to prove. What's worse, that we're all a path sketched on some ruloid, or the next stop could be any platform. As you know, Bob, motion is a tangent that kisses the curve of a child's scalp, desperate to keep them where they are, but how the arrow stops splitting time, I could never differentiate. What's worse, that I skid on a puddle where the story jags on the bridge path, or the spray paint scrawled on the cement proves the area enclosed divides endlessly, converges on an unsatisfying last line. Thank you, Jim. I like that last line. <laughs> Very nifty. Uh, our next reader, I'm going to try to pronounce your name correctly, and if I am wrong, please correct the hell out of me when you get up here. Is it Yael Weitz? Okay, give it up for Yael. I'm also very short, so I've got a thank you. Very much appreciated. Okay, so I'm going to read a piece from my lovely, um, and I say lovely because, I mean, look at this cover, like, come on. Um, <laughs> Chatbook, Elder Centuries, um, which has a little bit of a preamble just because um, this is a piece that I wrote about my grandfather who was from a farm community in Argentina and uh, who introduced me to a lot of tangos and all of that lovely music that came out of Latin America in the 40s and the 50s. Um, and it's called Quien fue el raro bicho, which in the slang of the time was, who's that weirdo? And quite literally means, um, who was the weird bug? <laughs> Something bit you in your youth that made the neighbor say, Este tipo está jodido, which is to say, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, this guy's fucked. So you clung to the tangos, to starry ballads, rode accordion pleats back home, timed on a distant hoofbeat. The great forgetting could not take them from you. No snow could stop their spinning. Neither could they lift your wretchedness. They're only songs. You're tangled now, a forest of dendrites, steadfastly pruned. You're undone now, ashes awaiting air. Your feet tap on the nursing home floor. We drive like Sosa, 
hurtling through Buenos Aires, we fly like Miller, bound to disappear. We live our two long lives waiting for the crash. There was a cure, I whisper, before all this, there was a cure. And you gesture as if protesting, but you're only keeping time. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Yael. Do you tango too? Oh, I cannot. <laughs> Does anyone tango here? Kiara. <laughs> What's that? What does that mean? Hmm, okay, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. You might not know it, but I can tango. <laughs> yes, we've been thinking about having a poetry and tango event here, which uh, we may do. When one of my best friends, in fact, from Cleveland, but he's like, <laughs> he's a well-known tango teacher in New York City. We've been talking about it, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, our next reader tonight, uh, well, I'm going to say who's on deck. Mark Weissman is on deck, and our next reader is Colleen Riley. Give it up for Colleen. This is called Ark. So not Noah's Ark, but an Ark with the sea. <laughs> One. Sunrise over waves. Lines of sea foam. The crashing. Oh, San Diego. Two. I remember that 100 degree youth camp Discovering San Diego when I stayed after with a new friend. Nose piercings downtown Escondido. Her dad was out of jail, some smuggling thing, and took us to Red Robin. I heard her sister died. She was a chef who told me Chicago's food was the best. We drank in a blow-up pool and drove the soft hills with boys. I think she hated me by the end, when I paid for breakfast in quarters, missed my flight, begged for money outside the airport. I didn't become Gabby, the one found dead camping with her 20-year-old boyfriend. Three. Sand specks of gold, Beyonce's Super Bowl dress, shimmering, bubble bath foam, cleansing and repurposing. Four. My pink maxi skirt matches the sun's pole. Five. Why should there be anything other than sand reminding you of Earth's royalty, the first crown, the sun, its endless grace? Where would we be without golden hours in sandy toes, flapping birds and mussels clinging to a rock when the tide is low? What else? Your hair, your clothes, where you ate another oyster and sipped another grigio. Who you see, who follows you, who has a bigger ring or a tighter bod. I wish I could tell you it lasts, or it fixes, or it fills. But the earth gives, so does a big star in a small pearl moon. 
6. Look, I'm no better than you. I care about things I shouldn't. I've made ugly mistakes. I've hurt good people and myself. I've drank too much. I'm ignorant and annoying and presumptuous and suspicious, I pretend. I write the way of the world, one small figment of what I see and understand. A girl in a maxi with chipped peach toes and the sun holding it down outside a screen door. I'm just as frightened as you. To jump, to try, to fall in love, to inevitably disappoint. If you saw the orange glisten tonight, I think you'd understand it's bigger. There is bigness to your smallness. It's impossible to know that every day, that's okay. When you get the chance, let anything that doesn't speak in words remind you, pull you back to this flame. All right, Colleen, thank you. Very well done. Our next one of the evening is Mark Weissman. Give it up for Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. That was great, Colleen. Thank you. Thank you, Jason, uh, Eugenia, and everyone here. Um, it's all right if I do something a little sillier, looser tonight. That Yeah? A little sillier, looser. This recent, some recent fresh, organic, human intelligence, nothing artificial, poetry. Um, there might be a trigger, um, dying dogs. Uh, but for the record, I do like plants, and I do like dogs. Um, and I'm not sure where this is coming from, but my wife is out of town for two weeks on work, and I have to uh, take care of the plants. The you know the the desert yeah the the desert types and the zz plants they they yeah anyway so this is called <clears throat> this is called plant parents plant parents if and when we give birth to puppies it's gonna take a minute to get back to watering these sun vultures think about it. If you could sprout poodles or branches ochred by too much light or not enough or over under hydrated or really meant for the outside indoors or in the wrong spot or allergic to the air or the barometric pressure for fuck's sake, you'd snatch the dog every time even as it licks you with its shit breath from its friend's assholes with a needy passion you've never sustained in a lover and never will. But I've never owned one, sorry, never raised one through its mental health crises eased by CBD treats or its slow decline into cat-like slumber or its cancer surgery with pet insurance, the price of a used car even after a lifetime of organic chef-crafted meal kits sourced from non-GMO biodynamic farms. Some plants eat animals. Sure, Venus flytrap. But what about the others? Like, oh geez, I just lost them. <laughs> like innocuous sounding sundews or purple pitcher plants. 
so lethal there's a gallery of prey on Wikipedia. So good night, carabid beetle, gotcha. Confuse Euskara moth, I'm not making this up. Wake up insects, you got punked. There's no such thing as a virgin vegan people. There's spider meat in your teeth, your bones. Heretofore I say, sell cultured house plants or Ikea imitators, though only if plastic free and sourced from recycled sneakers. Infanticide is real. Have you seen saplings burnt so Granny Sequoia could chill for another millennium? What's next? Domesticate your twin? Hug your semi-sentient tree? Cultivate baobab humanoids optimized for warming two degrees Celsius and beyond? Just think of all those ants and houseflies in Dutch still lifes. Gone, goodbye, now rotten fruit and gratuitous skulls. Nope, just be a plant influencer, or a botanist, or John James Audubon, for Christ's sake. But don't tell me, like Tutkahaman, you're going to take your elephant ear to the grave. Why not compost yourself in the dirt with your roots and miracle glow and abundantly scattered flower children? Okay, thank you, Mark. Who considers themselves a plant lover in here? <laughs> that was fewer hands than I thought there would be. Yeah. It's interesting what having a baby will do to your plant loving. My wife bought all these plants for our house, and just, they're not all dead, but. <laughs> But many of them died, <laughs> especially in the first four months of our baby's life. There's, something's got to give, you know. Link, thankfully, I was there to take care of our two cats, although they'd probably be dead too. Uh, it's <laughs> you got a baby, it's just like, hey, did we feed the cats? It's like 5 p.m. Like, did we give the cats lunch? It's like, why are they, why are they crying? Like, why are they prowling around their feet? Like, didn't we? Feed? Actually, we didn't give them lunch. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, when's the last time we watered these plants? Like, January? Okay, um, our next reader tonight, one of our interns, brilliant intern, Parrish Finn. Give it up for Parrish. Um, <clears throat> this poem is uh, for a, valent a Valentine's Day, which is tomorrow, so... Um, for anyone, for any type of love for anyone in your life. Um, and it's about a game show in Japan that I heard about where people have to bite random objects to see whether or not they're made of candy or if they're like actually like the thing that they look like. Okay. I've been roaming this room confirming what I believe to be true. Tables are wood, sweaters are wool, and most other things these days are made of plastic. So no, the dull ache in my molars was never a surprise. And yes, it was demoralizing to bite into a doorknob, but I thought the sharp taste of metal made me sane. I thought my hunger made me right. 
until I found a shoe with laces made of sugar, a shoe with a chocolate sole and a marzipan tongue. So what was here in the first place doesn't matter. I am left sitting on a bed of cake. The lamp beside me is an absinthe flame. The Bible in the drawer is a butterfly wing to tell me about transformation. I am spun to your side, a cocoon, in the moonshine through the window pane that turned to sugar. Thank you. All right, that was awesome. The window pane that turned to sugar. Crazy. It is Valentine's Day tomorrow. Who's got plans? It's a room full of poets. I figured there would be very few hands that went up. <laughs> uh, it's good to be married on Valentine's Day. You, you just talk to your partner. You're like, should we do anything? It's like, no. <laughs> you know, like, let's get each other massages. So fucking tomorrow I'm getting a massage at noon. It's great. And uh, my wife called up my Valentine's Day gift. I'm like, I paid for it. <laughs> but it's fine. I just, you know, I'm willing to buy myself my own Valentine's Day gift if it's a massage. Uh, she does not. <laughs> I don't think you can watch that either. It's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, uh, on deck is Kiara DeLelo. Our next poet is Omar Aburashed. Give it up for Omar. All right. What's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is Omar. Um, I decided to just go with this one. This is called Cupid's a Dealer. Um, it's, it's, uh, if this is a lot, I'm gonna read it as a poem, but it, I initially had wrote it um, as a song, so I'm just gonna just do the thing. Um, okay, so it starts out as, Memoirs and metaphors, let them fall. I write them down and press record and I bet you wonder what I do this for. So much energy expended on eulogies, our unity is gone. Fact is, the newer me is strong. But when I fall, I wish I still had you to talk about it all. Can't build on broken walls when the ending calls it calls. I just wish we picked up where we left off on rainy days. I like to pace and stare outside my window. Watch the leaves shake and feel the kiss of wind blow upon my face. Knocks me straight to yellow note mementos. Wish these moments could be owned, but they're just brief and only rentals, but... Simple. Things like this help me grip on to the belief that maybe God exists. Because ever since you left, I've been smoking spliffs in the basement of my rents, blowing O's of regrets up through a vent. Perplexed with why I called it quits. It's had me stretched, walked around with heavy legs and emptiness up in my chest. Effects of depression on my flesh. Yes, I know I have to let it go. So I laid one down like this so I can let it rest. Singing. I wonder if love is love or just a drug. Too much of anything can kill you. Stay up late nights. I know you're scared of heights, but when we fall, baby, everything's all right. We got us. Us? Us wasn't enough. Our love and trust came to an abrupt end and interrupt. Did? But plants from up above. Why discuss what could have become or hold a grudge? Because we don't even keep in touch. But see, um... 
I'm still asking this question. I know we had a connection. Was it faded or random selection? Separated, I battled, I battled depression and strangled aggression. Wrote in all caps for the sentence just to capture my essence. I've been tested. A rite of passage and lesson of life learned. So breathing. Now while this class is in session, make sure I manage intentions when perception is tempted. Because the devil's been working since serving Adam apples in heaven. Time to check in. Back to the present, traveling with damaged baggage. See, I have a direction invested to rapping with manic and passionate methods and peeling back the bandage, the bandage that's, that's been protecting all this tension, been wrestling. And I'm sorry, Ms. Jackson, I know you expected more than a Saturn ending. I mismanage your pressure. So if I'm bad at expressing, come off as passive aggressive. Hope you know I'm just venting, or perhaps I'm reflecting. Thank you. <laughs> All right, great stuff, Omar. You forgot your mask. Um, I'll just give it to you, Megan. <laughs> if you want to come get your mask, Omar, we have it up front for you. Fantastic stuff. Uh, on deck is Jazz Sufi. Our next poet is Kiara Delelo. Give it up for Kiara. It's not for real until you make us jackets, Arthur. All right, not that I'm saying you should. Table three. All right, so um, I, uh, I brought you all a love poem, except I need you all to, before I read it, just cast your memory back to the most frustrating person you've ever dated. Um, this is a very old poem. Okay, so then now you'll know who rises to the top, hopefully by the end of this poem, who hits the, the top of the rankings, because this poem is over a decade old. Um, I pulled out a notepad and finally typed it up and made it semi-presentable, um, and it's really interesting to look back and figure out like what was the core of all of this terrible sensation of, like it's like when something itches that you can't scratch, like, like your teeth. Like, oh, this person makes my teeth itch. Um, anyway, and it's about going on dates with that person anyway. Um, and I called it Musaka. I've started to suspect that I speak in fish and you speak in nets. That we're hydroelectric, only generating drone. That you are cynical like a Warhol Brillo box, and like the West Village, you've made your own dark and intelligent past irrelevant. Your tongue, for all I know, tastes like Staten Island. Maybe I should bag the entire enterprise. You are slippery as the class bully, self-inflated like the prices of after-school snacks. I speak in sugar, and you sawdust a reply. When you agree to meet, you show up like a bucket of used antifreeze, and later your caress is a cold floor. You made me think my touch turned you to stone, that kiss on the bridge, my interborough crime. I want to pull your hair, find out if my nails down your back make you hard. I want the thing itself and not the commentary. I secretly hope I hate the book you asked me to read. I dream of taking you baffled to a poetry reading and being brave enough to know your confusion is your fault and not mine. But it's a mistake to bring you to my havens where you toss down your scorn like a hat and pick it up only when you leave. To make you wince, 
Show me throat and shy belly and knock knees. This, I suspect, is what I want from you. Not your castor oil consciousness and not your nets. I want your tallow soap, the parts of you that smear. I want your unpatchable shirt, your defensiveness like soured tea. I want your six-year-old self to comfort because I refuse to give your current one the same. Oh, angel, oh, boy philosopher, I understand so little of what I am trying to be, and you do not help. You don't identify with the animals I associate you with. You are as cynical and borderline beautiful as the Gowanus Canal. You take me to the certified best diner in Queens, and this is what wins my heart, hands it to you, baked into the moussaka. While you sit and sink into your self-loathing like it's a high-buttoned collar holding close your razor-bumped neck. I'll call you back, but only the version of you sneaking out of the office late morning to take the train with me to Brooklyn. And when I kiss you for a fraction of a second, you are as peaceful as an alley cat, even though you tremble the whole way through. If I could get you out of city limits, I swear you'd be that much nicer or you'd fall to pieces but your hand is the live wire of Times Square. I wouldn't grab it for love nor money, nor your adored Kurt Cobain. Thank you. All right, great stuff. Uh, I guess everyone's gonna read a Valentine's poem now. Uh, so the best diner in Queens, was that the Neptune Diner? Fuck yeah. How many of you have been to the Neptune Diner? No one else raised it. One person in the back raised their hand. That's sad. I used to go to that place every night when I lived in Astoria in 1998 to 1999. Yeah. I would just go there and get a hamburger. That's all I could afford. A hamburger with water. <laughs> I didn't even get fries. I just like a hamburger with water. Uh, and then I would stay there and read for like five hours. Uh, I was a total poetry nerd. Um, yeah, man, I love that place. Uh, and it, it found its way into your poem about that dude. That's hilarious. Uh, now the place has changed. I'm never going to be able to see the Neptune Diner the same way. That's sad. Our next poem of the evening, Jazz Sufi. Give it up for Jazz. <laughs> understand my mom now. <laughs> Hi, y'all. I just want to say one more time, Eugenia is so good. I'm so happy you read. I'm so excited for your release party. This is going to be great. Uh, this wasn't originally a Valentine's poem, but it was, fuck it. Uh, Self-love counts. Um, it's called Someday I'll Love Jazz Sufi After Ocean Vong. And it's so hard. You know, because I am so full of love and none of it for me. I am so full of water. I am a river. I go to the river and love drains through my open hands. They are so useful, my hands. They are the open doors, they open doors, they lock me behind them and no one else can come inside. 
I convince myself the key is hidden under someone else's tongue. I go looking for the wrong tongues. I fit wrong in my own mouth when I am a skeleton inside someone else's bones. I go looking to fix everyone but myself. Here is a list of therapists. Here is a glass of water. I am so thirsty. I look in the mirror and become a pillar of salt. I am my own wife before I am myself. I leave the porch light on. I wait for someone to come home, and for this and other reasons, I've called myself broken. I've called myself empty. I've called myself things I would never name a child. <laughs> this time, I sing the knife to sleep, the knife I mistook for a mirror or an open door, but I can cast a shadow without having to live inside of it. I illuminate my own bones, fill them back full of marrow, I ritual the blood back into my veins and it sings, but this isn't a prayer song, no praise or amen. Any church here I built myself with my hands, my hands the stained glass and the stone, my name in a good book made better by my name, my blood and body that will save no one but myself. I save myself, I resurrect myself, I forgive myself for the coffin I thought I would be in by now. The coffin I mistook for a mirror or an open door to somewhere better than here. I am better than here. I am here, better. Someday, I will love jazz Sufi. I'm learning how to do it better every day. Here is a list of my golden bones. Here's a glass of water. I can drink without drowning. I don't dissolve on anyone's tongue. I say my own name and a lock unlocks. A door opens. My mouth fills with light. Thank you guys. All right. God damn, God damn. I love that. That was fantastic. Uh, what's your dog's name? What's your dog's name? Apollo. Apollo. It's a true poet right there, for sure. <laughs> if she had said Mayakovsky, that would have been amazing, but she said Apollo. That was like almost as good. <laughs> Do you guys like Mayakovsky? You guys are not poets. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> the Russian futurist poet wrote one of the greatest poems about the Broken Bridge ever. His picture is up there somewhere. Yeah, it's like in the second, the second tier of photos there. If anyone can identify him, I'll give you a free shirt. Maybe. <laughs> On deck is Anne Herondeed. Our next poet is Carly Ransford. Give it up for Carly. Is, uh, called Worth Ages Cowgirl. In this gleaning, you say with whisper breath, Aren't your bones tired yet? O oh, weeper, aren't your legs heavy sawed? Keep leaping. Muscles can't grow without rest. O oh, racer. Simmer like bog, south of glades, you belong. You're in a pile of yourself, this melting. Don't you miss the wind in morning? Listen. 
don't you recall Crow's inchworm in waking? Look. At the table you glow new-aged, canned sun. Oh, bright orange was you, cowgirl, you've bronzed. It's better knowing worth ages, sister. Your voice echoes on hardwood floors, remaining. By hospital bed, I ask you, where's the salt? Aren't shelves of forever beans worth tasting? Eat. Aren't attics of China worth cleaning? Craft. What makes resurrection? Toothpaste, daily. Before you tried to kill yourself, cowgirl, you forgot to ask me about my plans. You forgot to imagine our hairlines receding, the laughter that comes with rot. In this gleaning, I ask you, can you die? Or will you just last forever in my jeans? Back pocket, iPhone, photos, 23. If you exist in particles, why try? Before you tried to kill yourself, cowgirl, you forgot to clear my phone. I found you, your location, in the messages app, in mom's car, gasoline, your hair reeked. If I exist in particles, what reeks? Don't you miss waffle batter sizzling? Don't you recall maple syrup sticking? Our hands together, tree sugar, giggling. At the table, I see your teeth, gal girl. I see fat cheeks of our childhood, forbearing. I don't know if you'll become particles successfully one day, but weeper, please. In this gleaning, remember, sisters laugh. At the table beside you, canned sun. We're rotting, and that is our most beautiful being. What makes resurrection remaining? All right, thank you, Carly. That's incredible. That's your first time here, yeah? Reading? That was awesome. Congratulations. A stunner. Uh, wow, it's just the poems are getting better and better. Okay, we're about halfway through. Our next poet, uh, one poem of the month, last month, in fact. Give it up for Anne Herendine. Occult hematuria. She's so narrow, the urologist says to the nurse as he pulls the camera from my urethra, looking for the source of the blood that leaks into my urine, not from my functioning kidneys or liver or now bladder, formless and void on the screen as an unfinished basement. I'm narrow, empty, flat, an uninflated balloon, unrolled, unused condom, no finger to penetrate my own vagina, monotone, no bandwidth in my unarticulated wrists and carpals, undeveloped phalanges for the Bach and ragtime and jazz of my brain. My mind is wide, broad, broad-minded, a broad, spreading lush pear-shaped thighs to engulf sharp pricks and pointed tongues. My mind exists in six dimensions of infinity, three of physical space, plus time, consciousness, and thought. My body has but two, 
turned sideways, shows only a jagged outline, unreadable gibberish, signifying nothing. The broad oceans of my brain break on the jetties of spiky skeleton, are funneled into straits, flowing into tapering channels and ditches, harrowed by stubs of unbending bone, oozing onto salt-flat estuaries of dead-end capillaries, tiny crustaceans suffocating in the straight-edge rays of sun. She's so narrow, I am the iron and the maiden in it, the teleported body, the coordinates miscalculated, rematerializing in a brick wall, minced into fragments. Perhaps the source of the blood you can't see, can't find, is the seepage from the pulled pork of my desires, forced through stones into unrecognizable, unidentifiable shreds. Okay, there's your poem of the month winner for January. Uh, fantastic poem, thank you, Anne. Table three, good job. We are about halfway through. Our open mic lineup on deck is Tessa Flores, but our next poet is Megan Gwilt. Give it up for Megan. Um, I am also reading a Valentine's poem, but I cannot emphasize enough that it is not about romantic love. Um, this is an ode to that little shit who I guess I love a little bit. <laughs> to be an older sister is to be outrun when you've had a head start. And how lucky am I to be overshadowed by you. My quick-witted, firecracker, ever-talented genius of a brother, it's hard to find the words that describe you to me, or how you're a little bit what I've always wanted to be, or how you weren't a person for a while, just a little bumblebee buzzing around for the world to see. At least that's how you look to me, until suddenly you were a man. You went faster and farther than I had in my plan, my little brother like no other, whose mind has always surpassed mind. Uh, mine. <laughs> a Tasmanian devil with incredible tact, you are my favorite oxymoron. We don't always get along. You know the cheat codes to put me in my place, but I know the excitement when you see my face in the crowd cheering you on. The undeniable champion of our parents' spawn. Brother, you do not know what you mean to me or how I would climb every mountain and cross every sea to find the perfect present to place under the tree. You are not the pickiest of our three, but pickiest eater you just might be. If I could weave every word in the world in a tapestry to tell the story of our family tree, we would not have the most interesting branch. I know that certainly over the course of history, our story is simple, it's family. It's I love you and you love me but that doesn't mean it isn't worth telling, and maybe it won't for the books that I'm selling, but I know that you're buying every new copy, and you'll read it and tell me my writing is sloppy. <laughs> because that's just the way we are. You're as much of an asshole as you are a star. When you texted me on my first night of college and told me a secret I always thought might be true, I'm glad I could be a safe place for you. 
To be a big sister is to be a protector. And I think sometimes I was more of a projector. So thank you for keeping our story simple, for loving me when I act like a pimple. I may be older, but not quite wiser. And sometimes you play the role of advisor, but I'll always be older till the end of our days. And I'll never ever stop singing your praise. All right, thank you, Megan. Uh, well, I hope your brother was listening. Is he a virtual? Are you on the virtual? No, he doesn't get a he didn't get a virtual ticket. <laughs> That's lame. <laughs> Did you tell him about it? Did he know? He, he didn't know you were going to read this poem. Okay, well, you can listen to the opcast. You can tell him. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, on deck is Maria Rubio. Our next poet is Tessa Flores. Give it up for Tess. Hi, my name is Tessa. Nice to meet y'all. Um, this poem is called Celibacy. I tried to have a crush on a man today to have something to do. It was tiresome. I felt like a fucking peacock showing my beauty, and it was ridiculous. Every glance I saw of myself, real skin showing, drowsy lines under my purple eyes, lips jutting out just a little bit. I could have been an ant, but I got all this body. When you think of it that way, you just can't be upset. I retreated and was satisfied in my lack of effort. I don't want a man who is holding court under a pavilion in Florida with the blondes who ask, where do you live? West Palm? What part of West Palm? Uh, <laughs> his eyes glinted, and he bounced around like a weird animal, thirsty, thirsty. The blondes liked him, and they videotaped each other, and words stumbled out of their mouth like candy out of a dispenser with a broken stop. Laughter like staccato in a slow song. A little off-key, but then what would I know about sexuality? They were hungry for him. He was full and a glutton. He was present for them, speaking loud nothings in a British accent. I watched them orbit around each other. Um, I watched them orbit around each other, the blondes in their beige clothing and their tinny laughter, him in his red pants and thick head of hair and the accent and the jokes and the jokes. I mean, I guess it was good enough. I'm a judgy bitch when left alone with grand observations and rolling eyes. You don't have to do much, really. Wait for them to come to you, otherwise you play the fool. Once I knew the peace of being in the clear water on a private island, I spent a thousand days building. There's no boat good enough to be allowed to dock. When they approach my oasis, I direct them to the mainland. I tell them they wouldn't like the climate here. The snake whose venom I'm immune to would kill them with one ferocious look. I'm sorry, baby, it's for your own good. And I wave from the dock as queen. Thank you for stopping by. I can't strut without wanting to check myself off the corner of the universe when you know it's hard to explain. The ecosystem of lust, the jungle of desire, and I will sit back and watch amateur National Geographic journalist. The world spins around me and I lay in the grass and smell everyone wanting everyone else. My hands interlock tightly with the grass. Shrink myself and open the tiny door at the base of the tree and sleep peacefully inside. All right, thank you very much, Tessa. 
Our next poet of the evening is Maria Rubio. Give it up for Maria. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? <laughs> um, so I was here last month, and I mentioned that I only read whatever I wrote the, that day. It hasn't failed me yet, so I'm going to keep on doing that until it does. <laughs> um, so it's not uh, titled yet. On the night of any given open mic, I travel at least an hour each way after a long day of nurse, can you help me? Mom, can you help me? Anak, can you help me? I sit on the train, willing feelings to come out as words, willing experiences to come out as words, willing words from the air as of conceiving a baby. All motions and adrenaline, while the most microscopic cells charge with electricity and become whole, lines are formed, painfully becoming more than themselves as I grab the air frantically, pulling out syntax and grammar like the last sheet of toilet paper, and I want desperately to find some new shit somewhere on my ass. <laughs> it's been too long, and I need that new shit. Sometimes I'm lucky and a scrap of substance is there, something sticky and abundant, spewing forth like verbal diarrhea, syllables dancing on the beat of double entendres, similes singing like Ella Fitzgerald wails the blues, and a rainbow launches into political reverie while my reverence for personal plight hangs in the foreground, and I leave the subway eager to vindicate time lost with my children because this right here is a poem I can be proud of. It is a poem that is necessary. It is the sacrifice of sleep, the promise of therapy. It is the salve that will solve an intense burning to be seen. Most nights, the muses don't come knocking, or I am too busy wiping snot and shit to hear their call. Sometimes on these nights, the muses serenade me, but I'm busy delivering babies or holding the hands of sick children in the infirmary or consoling loved ones of those deceased. Some nights, I am making love to people who may not love me the next morning or battling my own memory or staining my lungs black as I will my body to sleep. At any given moment, I tell myself that this is what it means to have more caffeine than food in my system, more lines on my face than sleep in my schedule, more love in my breath than time at my disposal. And I must remind myself that maybe more than writing, living is its own kind of poetry. All right, Maria. Amazing. Well, I think it, it works. Keep writing something new for every time you read. That was crazy. Um, I can't wait to hear what you read next time. Our next poet of the evening is Olivia Weiss. Give it up for Olivia. Hi. 
So I call this poem Jazz. Lying in bed with you, we listen to music. Soft guitar runs from my speaker, streams of consciousness flow from our lips. We talk of why it's beautiful, decipher what makes the music deserving of this badge of beauty. I say, I love it because when I listen to this melody, I finally feel at peace. Like every millimeter of my body is a glowing ember, a piece of soft, long grass left bubbling and bobbing from the pleasant touch of wind. Similar to what I feel when listening to live jazz. Alone at the bar, second Negroni in hand, like equilibrium has been accomplished. My playing fields finally leveled. Quite like the feeling I had, the pleasure of touching, the night I saw you for the second time, when our eyes touched in the deliciousness of a moment, and you came to me. I replayed this scene inside my head and refused to mention it. The word you added to our dissection of sound and feeling was melancholy. You called the music melancholy. And there we had it, peaceful and melancholy. I rolled in the dirt of our two words placed together and came up pleased by your addition. I puckered my lips and licked my fingers clean of the sweet soil they were dripping in, new names to the familiar flavors of an earth we dug our feet deep inside, fully aware of the beautiful muck we'd made together. I said, feeling truly and deeply at peace makes me emotional. Because when I grasp this, I realize I just don't feel this enough. You made me feel at peace. But I'm starting to think you're less like the jazz I thought you were, and more like the guitar coming from my borrowed broken speaker. Tickling ears as we touch and talk, artists turned scientists turned artists back again in our dissection of beauty. Maybe, just like music, love too is the space between notes, how we fill the holes of wanting, how we think of each other when the world slips between us how we meld our independence with intimacy, and in our space between notes of peace and warm glowing embers, I began to hear the most delicate ring of melancholy. So, like a good researcher would in the name of science, I asked you. Your answer was not as delicious as the mysterious compositions my mind had hoped we'd write together. We are of two different places, two minerals intersecting in delicious dirt and musk and sweetness, the thing of stains and smells left on clothes you'll never want to wash because they hold a scent so well. I feel the tears begin to bubble, a mind of their own, and I realize I may have to wash my stockings of you after all. Thank you. All right, thanks very much, Olivia. That was your first time, first time reading at the Yup, yes? All right, give her another round of applause. Congratulations.
We've got a few more readers for you tonight. On deck is Noel Cristiano, but up next is another one of our brilliant interns, Darius Phelps. Give it up for Darius. So this poem is called Eradicate Me. Bind these immigrant hands in the chains of your colonized thoughts. Stare into my decaying eyes and whisper to me softly. You are everything my white soul despises. I am pure, and you are the filth between my rotten, yellowed, hollow teeth. The stench of your mere existence stains my perfect world. I have waded through tears see deep, and steadily my enslaved soul still weeps and these scars, no tourniquet, can cease. Eradicate me, for a spade is a spade, and I know your soul, black, like my piping hot morning coffee, won't ever change. Why won't you just let me grow? Water my roots with, nour with, water my roots with nourishment from the marrow of our bodies. Let my motherland shine in all her glory, just like my ancestors destined before me. Please give my, my cracked reflection a break from your erasure. I am weary of trying to paint, to pave, illuminate, and liberate my way through these toxic academic spaces, coated in effervescent white acrylic with just my dried out watercolor. This rapist known as freedom is a narcissist in disguise. No one will ever truly survive in America not if your skin drips in sun-kissed melanin. These ashen people tremble in fear. They won't protect us, my dear. Why should I keep crying out when there is no true answer for me? My soul will never know nothing but white fragility and defeat. Depression is our rite of passage, these wounds of, pass of passion. There are some things that can simply not be prayed away. Embrace instead of eradicate. Steadily on my knees at the heartbreak church, I pray, hoping this pain isn't here to stay. Thank you. Thank you, Darius. Great as always. Our next part of the evening, as I said, is Noel Cristiano. Give it up for Noel. try not to rush my way through it. Um, this is called Bonsai Tree. I was the bonsai tree, and you had the spokes. I grew for you, around you, and at your direction for far longer than I've been growing alone. I bent at your command and never grew too large. You liked me like that small and twisted in your sunlight. For me, you wished blindness, solitude, naivety. You pruned and you pruned, 
and my veins thickened like rope. You wanted me on a clock, dwarfed and waiting for you to remove me from the shadows. You wanted me to love you from my side of the china cabinet, like a god made of porcelain and not the man who cracked in the heat of the kiln, not the man with the shears who plucked my flowers when he was not ready for spring. I was the bonsai tree, but my roots outgrew the coffins you buried me in and burst through the dirt to see the sky for the very first time. And one thing I finally knew to be true, you can play God, but you cannot grow flowers without me. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Noelle. Beautiful poem for your first time at the Yop. On deck is Oladi Pupo Mayungbo, our next poet, former Yopper of the Year, Yop Poem of the Year winner. Give it up for Arthur Russell. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. It's the day before Valentine's Day. I've missed you all, and I'm so glad to see you again. Thank you, Eugenia. It was a wonderful class, and I have your book now, so great. And um, I wanted to do a little bouquet for um, Valentine's Day. So this is a little bouquet of short poems that uh, I call, If You Get a Chance to Write a Love Poem, Take It. Ribcage, birdcage, clock case, cell door, gun locker, louvered window jealous of the heart, boat frame, coffee can, organ transfer icebox, winter tree, wattle church, future rack of flutes, Ladder rung where Jacob grabbed the ankle of the angel fleeing. Boneyard, courtyard, fence for perching birds. Yellow cat crash attenuator, finger-jointed candy box, accordion's integument, thumb rest corduroy, copper penny miscellany, seed pod manifest, exit only turnstile, underlined reminder that the finder's not the keeper and that nothing serves to guarantee admittance to the tight-wound heart. To you I offer my fiduciary hands, to you, beneath your tea, my fingers in the tray between your ribs, face to face, the two of us, this evening in the kitchen, leaning on the counter by the sink, so old already and older still to come, I love you, skinny woman. Come, let's go upstairs. Love poem. You tape a broken wishbone. You tape a broken wishbone to the window above your sink. Touch my cheek like the bristle inspector at a hairbrush factory. Stop mid-rant to assuage my fear of female anger, then resume. For as long as people stand in front of a Rothko, we embrace. You, you call my heart your Jewish piano. 
and do to me what a church steeple does to a clear blue winter sky. We throw snack-sized bags of Cheetos from our limo to the crowd. We shed our clothes to imitate the full moon. Like shuffled decks, we merge at the ribs. We stay up so long, we fall asleep. Song, laughing. Take me to a private place to do a private thing. Take me to a diamond mine to mine a diamond ring. Go out with me on ledges where the forest meets the air and to lodges where we'll rest up after running from that bear. Kiss me on the underlips and kiss me on the bum. Ask me who my daddy is and where my daddy's from. Cancel my vacation, cancel everything I do and tell me I'm your beauty while I wriggle under you. <laughs> the flat rocks first skip on sleep's lake. Up from the flat rocks first skip on sleep's lake, believing you hip high the other way behind me faced, I wondered why I hadn't snaked my lower arm beneath your ribs and drawn your warm back to my needy chest until it dawned on me I'd been asleep and you, you weren't there and the lake froze and I skittered on the night's surface wide awake. Thank you all. Happy Valentine's Day! All right. Good job, Table 3. I didn't realize so many people cared about Valentine's Day, to be honest. This is like the Valentine's Day yop, basically. It's become that. Um, we are almost at the end of our evening. Our next poet is the one and only Hunter Hodkinson. Give it up for Hunter. This poem is called American Steel. There was that summer I fell in love with cars briefly after a not-so-bad father-son trip to Tennessee. My queerness was like a watercolor painting cup unsure and hazy, I remember seeing family, a long lost southern lineage that like a berry had fallen off the vine long before I was born. I was 14 and much too tall to hide behind my father's tree stump legs anymore, so now I had to explain my existence to these blood strangers with drawls so curved I asked what after every other word. They commented upon my nails, chipping with eighth grade nail polish, which I replied with, oh, th this is nothing, as if they were walls in an abandoned house, every passing season revealing a new wallpaper year beneath them. Mm -hmm. I was enamored, though, by the beauty of purebred Appalachia. The piddly hill Ohio hills I'd grown accustomed to were nothing compared to the majesty of the Blue Ridge Mountains that enthralled us on, in green on every side. Nothing, not even that pre-Trump summer 
with Make America Great Again front lawns could stop me from savoring Earth's great beauty. But we came here for a reason, a car of all things, a 1967 Ford Fairlane to be specific, a relic of good old American steel that had spent the past 15 years rusting away in an overgrown meadow owned by a guy who took pride in hoarding old cars. I never understood my father's obsession with wanting to breathe life into this hollowed out skeleton, but it was clear his desire was strong enough to drive over 400 miles to stay in the Royal Inn, which had a hot tub sized swimming pool dappled with cockroach lily pads. <laughs> the lot for which the car was buried in was like the heat of freshly poured asphalt scorching the surrounding area. Somewhere in this labyrinth of shattered windshields, wasp-infested hoods and flattened tires was my father's grand prize. I wandered amuck through the wreckage, peering into foggy windows with chipping leather-laden interiors, some of which I agreed were quite beautiful depictions of the past, like thrift store picture frames still containing whispers. It became clear that these cars were just like us, machines built for an unknown reason, to serve a strange purpose only to end up clustered next to strangers for all of eternity. But that's a lot to tell your father. So instead, I just told him I liked this Mustang from the 80s with a red interior and manual transmission. It was the first time I saw him genuinely smile in a very, very long time. If all it took was the mention of a car to make him happy with me, why had I spent so long rejecting it? The rest of the day was spent ooing and aahing over other Detroit bones. We never did find the fair lane. As we drove home, I, I, as we drove home, I was disappointed my father didn't find what he was looking for. I never understood why we came all this way for a piece of junk. But I later realized it was never about the car. It was always about the sun slipping, slipping through his fingers. Well done, Mr. Hodkinson. Put another one in the tally for table three. Good job. Uh, tables can't win poem of the month, just, just letting you know. Only, only, only individuals. <laughs> no one can vote for Table 3. You can only vote for individual poets at Table 3. We have time for one poet off the wait list. She's in the back somewhere. She likes the X-Files. Give it up for Jess Gagne. and um, I was going to read the workshop poem. Um, if no one else read a poem about the Chinese spy balloon, <laughs> because I'm trying to work on a poem about the Chinese spy balloon and X-Files. So um, I have that, but it's not done. So thank you all. Sorry, y'all. Okay. Uh, also, it's um, inspired heavily by the Donald Barth, is that how you pronounce his name? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Um, story about the balloon. So it's called 
a single balloon must stand for a lifetime of thinking about balloons. No one remembers how they first heard of it or what they wondered while it was aloft above the Aleutian Islands, Alaska, Canada, mysteriously airborne, both empty and complete. Like the moon, it too is a paradox. But this moment of not knowing is itself a gift, an empty box for us to fill with whatever it is we fear or desire. No matter where we are, we can share a longing, a dream, that this aerial phenomenon unknown is finally the shape that can contain both. I do, of course, imagine the balloon expanding ridiculously to cover and contain the whole city, standing in for a whole city's worth of anxiety, deprivation, love, loss. The balloon, maybe a wayward moon blown off orbit, makes its way across our shared sky, a metaphor for everything, and us, we can only perceive it as a threat. How biodegradable is our collective fear? Does this balloon announce the shifting pattern of our tides? And if so, what ancient cities might be uncovered at this new low? Even amidst the apocalypse, I hope to always be interested in what we can unearth. And when it is shut down, shot down, sorry, I don't know what to feel about that. What if, like every UFO, it turned out to only be an attempt at connection? Okay, thank you, Jess Gagne. That is our open mic lineup for tonight. Yeah, give them all a round of applause. Uh, if you didn't get to read tonight's tickets for the next Yop Go on Sale at 9.30, we have 10 reserved open mic tickets every month. Those go very quickly, usually within the first... I don't know, half hour or so after they go on sale. So I wouldn't wait. If you want to claim one of those, then you don't have to sign up at the door. You, you just have a spot. You can show up whenever you like. Uh, I'm going to go back through the open mic lineup again. The number to vote for Poem of the Month is 718-374-1953. Please vote once. Do not tell your friends who are not here to vote. We just heard from Jess Gagne. Before that, Hunter Hodkinson, Oladi Pupo Mayungbo, Arthur Russell, Noel Cristiano, Darius Phelps, Olivia Weiss, Maria Rubio, Tessa Flores, Megan Gwilt, Anne Herendine, Carly Ransford, Jazz Sufi, Kiara DeLelo, Omar Oburashed, Parrish Finn, Mark Weissman, Colleen Riley, Yael Weitz and Jim Stewart. Uh, if you don't know how to spell their name, just try your best. I, I've never not been able to figure out who people were voting for uh, in 10 years of doing this. So again, number, the number to vote, 718-374-1953. Uh, again, our next YOP goes on, tickets go on sale at uh, 9.30. What is the second Monday of uh, March, Megan? It's March. Oh, right, it's the exact same. Yeah, March 13th. Very good. <laughs> Monday, March 13th, our next job will be led by Ramya Ramana. If you have uh, not been taking her drop-in class on Thursday, it's a great class called Whimsical Wonder. Do you guys know Ramya? She's a fantastic poet, uh, former Youth Poet Laureate of NYC. 
Uh, if you don't know about our drop-in classes, we have drop-in classes every day from Tuesday to Saturday. They're an hour long, $25 at the door, 23 in advance, 20 for members. Taylor Molly, who read earlier tonight after the workshop, teaches one tomorrow at 12 noon called Everyone Knows. And Seth Leeper teaches a drop-in class on playing with the sonnet Tuesdays at 5 p.m. But there are many more. Go to our website, look at drop-in classes. Again, this Sunday... Uh, our first craft lab of the year with Tracy Brimall. Uh, check that out. Registration goes up until pretty much the minute before that, that craft lab starts because once you get the ticket, you get the Zoom link. Uh, Gabrielle Bates, book launch February 24th, couple Fridays, Eugenia Lee, March 19th. Coming up, if you're going to AWP, we will be there. We will have a booth in the book fair. We're also doing an off-site reading for the first time ever. Uh, yeah, more announcements coming about that. Check out the podcast called The Yopcast. comes out two weeks, usually after The Yop. That's all I've got. I bid you good night. Thank you for coming. 718-374-1953. Take it easy. Right, there you have it. Once again, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for February 13th, 2023. Thanks to the amazing, the brilliant, the unique, the immortal Eugenia Lee for leading an incredible Yop workshop. I keep saying after every Yop that this is one of the best that we've had, and honestly, it feels like that. I said it after the John Sands Yop in January. I said it again after Eugenia's, Eugenia's in February, and it just seems like every month the uh, new teacher is raising the bar for what we do. Eugenia has a book launch coming up soon on March 19th at 144 Montague Street for her second collection, which she mentioned has been nine years in the making, called Bianca. We just launched promo for that yesterday and I think there's like 10 tickets left because uh, she rented out the space made it a free event and uh, man when you make tickets free and you got a, a hot poet with a hot book guess what the tickets go fast so if you're listening to this today on Tuesday February 28th and you want to get a ticket I would suggest you go to Eventbrite find that event soon and get a ticket because uh, probably by midnight the tickets will be gone Congrats to poet Jazz Sufi for winning Poem of the Month in February for her extraordinary poem, Someday I'll Love Jazz Sufi. Even more extraordinary is Jazz Sufi's dog, Apollo, who twice has come to the op and not uttered a single bark during any part of the event. Very well-behaved dog, a beloved dog, and a beloved poet, a beloved poem. Congrats again to Jazz Sufi for winning a spot in our 2023 Poem of the Year contest. In the time I have remaining on this outro, let me tell you about a couple of upcoming events, or maybe even more than a couple. This Friday, our next open mic, not named the Yop, the Friday Night Open, March 3rd. The Friday Night Open is an open mic culminating in readings by two featured poets. The featured readers this Friday are Morgan Boyle, no stranger to you who attend the Yawp regularly, twice a former winner of Yawp Poem of the Month, and 
Joshua Garcia, who you may remember from his amazing staff picks reading last year. They will be reading this Friday, March 3rd. Tickets still available for that. Check out our Eventbrite. And Saturday, March 4th, Nicole Callahan, one of our longtime Brooklyn Poets teachers, is launching her newest book, This Strange Garment. That event is also free. I think there's still at least a few tickets available. You should check that out on Eventbrite. Next Friday, March 10th, we will be in Seattle. In fact, we'll be there for the entire AWP conference. But on March 10th, we'll be doing an off-site reading at Cherry Street Coffee House on First Avenue featuring Eugenia Lee, Gabrielle Bates, Jose Olivares, Daryl Alejandro Honis, Patricia Humanik, Duji Tahat, Imogen X Christian Smith, and myself. I was trying to count on my hand all eight poets that we have featuring at that outside event. That event is free. Check it out on Eventbrite. Plenty of tickets still left for that. And last but not least, Monday, March 13th, our next yop, led by Ramya Ramana. Tickets still available for that as well. Okay, that is all. I've just got, I don't know, 20 seconds left in this outro, so I'm going to wrap it up. If you want to come to the next yop, get your tickets at brooklynpoets.org. We will see you in March. Thanks and take care.